Good morning, everybody. And welcome to the grumpy version of Coffee with Scott Adams. Normally, my cheery optimism is impossible to turn off, but today, I warn you, I'm grumpy. And I don't know where the fuck this is going to go this morning, because I don't have any filters today. (laughs) Do you ever wake up and have no filter? I would fucking kill somebody today. Like, today's the kind of day, no joke, I wish for a home invasion. Because a fight to the death would be exactly what I'm up for right now. <laughs> like, like, actually, you know, somebody comes into your home to do violence to you, and somehow you get the upper hand. Today's the day I would finish them off. Like, if I, if I got them on the ground, there's no way I'd let them leave the house alive. <laughs> So that's the kind of day I'm having. So if you'd like to join me, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, Chelsea Stein, a canteen, jug, or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee, and I wish I had some in my cup, but my fucking coffee machine doesn't work this morning. So I'm going to fake drink from a cup that doesn't have any fucking coffee in it. Did I mention I'm grumpy this morning? Go. Yeah, if that had been coffee, that would have been amazing. I'm sure all of you are enjoying your morning. Yeah, I got two coffee makers, and they're both fucked up right now. Let's talk about... uh, Uh... How did this happen? (laughs) Somehow I printed out yesterday's notes, which is weird because they don't exist. So I don't know how that happened. I deleted all of my notes from yesterday and then printed out the... Because I use the same document, it's the same document. How is it possible that I spent all morning writing in a, in a blank document and then when I printed that document, it was yesterday's notes? Hmm. Not entirely sure, but while you're there, I'm going to check and see if I put those in the wrong hole. That is the weirdest thing. So to say that everything's not working this morning would be an understatement. Well, I'll be damned. Oh, I see what I did. Yep, I did the one thing I tell myself, whatever you do, I've got two files that I use in the morning. One of them I have a, a rule, which is, whatever you do, do not edit this file. This file can never change, because it's the one I need right before I go live. It's the one that has the link for the YouTube. So there's one that I can never, ever change, and then there's one I change every day. I did it the other way around this morning. So it's like the one thing you're not supposed to do. But I got my new notes. All right. I'd be surprised if anybody's still watching this disaster of a live stream. <laughs> Rename the file, no edits, that wouldn't help. Did I mention I didn't have coffee this morning? Nothing would have helped me this morning. Um, David Sachs, as you know, has made his uh, 
suggestion for how to settle the Ukraine situation and got a lot of criticism. And so based on that criticism, David Sachs tweets today, I'm willing to listen to experts, just not the experts who got us into Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, and Libya. You left out Ukraine. <laughs> the other people you shouldn't listen to are the people who got you into Ukraine. Yeah, those are the other people you shouldn't listen to. Let me ask you something. Is there anybody who watches this live stream who still thinks that you should uh, listen to the experts? Like, does that even sound like a criticism that works in 2022? If somebody tells you, hey, why don't you listen to the experts? You know what the best, the best response to that is? Uh, this is 2022. Uh, where have you been for the last two years? <laughs> Listening to the experts has caused every fucking problem we have. All of them. They're all, all the problems are the experts. Um, Laura Logan got uh, uh, kicked off of Newsmax, I guess. Did anybody follow that story? So Laura Logan went, uh, I guess, full replacement theory, uh, and she believed... <laughs> this is the part that just blows my mind. So she said on Newsmax, and by the way, I'm just reporting what she said before she was kicked off on Newsmax. So I'm not telling you my opinion on, on these topics. Uh, but apparently she said that she talked to somebody who had infiltrated, I don't know, the UN or something, and he, he held in his hand a document that proved that there was a big plan to uh, replace the democracies by bringing in lots of immigrants and then they would help change the world in some way. And uh, that's, I guess, it's racist and blood libel and there's all kinds of stuff wrapped into that stuff. But here's the part. What she said was she talked to a guy who claimed he held in his hand the document that proved what he said was true. Isn't there something missing in that story? All right, all right. So you talked to a guy who held in his hand. It was right in his hand, the proof he needed. Right there, there's the guy, there's his hand. Was there any point, Laura, where you said, could you maybe hand that thing in your hand over to one of my hands and then I would have that in my hand, and then I would open it, and then look at it with my eyes, and then I would see if that looked real or not. But no, her story is that she talked to a guy who says he had it in his hand. And if that's not proof, I don't know what is. So I don't care what else she said that got her bumped off a of Newsmax. Uh, I think I would have fired her just for saying that a guy had proof in his hands. <laughs> He's got proof in his hands. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, do you know that uh, there's now proof that uh, UFOs are real? Yeah, there, there's proof. A lot of people are speculating that UFOs are not real, but I've got the proof in my hand. It's right here. Right here. Oh, you'd like to see it? <laughs> Sorry. It doesn't work that way. Proof's in my head, right there. So I feel like there's something left out of that story. Um, 
I am quite amused as I watch the Democrats try to explain why things are really going well or why, why Biden should remain uh, president for longer than four years. And the best job of this I've seen was actually hilarious because the, you know, the argument for the Democrat side is, is kind of disappearing. So this is what Chris Hayes said as the reason... Um, <laughs> so he's explaining why it made sense for Biden to release the, uh, the gas, not, not, not the gas, to release the oil from the, the National Reserve. And he explains that, that the reason why that's okay and that even though it's purely political, it's purely political in a good way because it prevents fascists from taking over. So using up our emergency reserve uh, at the same time we're giving up our weapons, <laughs> I guess we're you know, giving away our weapons and we're giving away our national reserve, but that's okay because if this lowers gas prices and it allows Biden to win... Well, I'll just read you Chris Hayes' argument. He goes, quote, We find ourselves in a situation where keeping gas prices low is key to preserving and strengthening the future of our democracy. And so here we are. Hence, Biden releasing oil from the reserves today. So the res- releasing our oil so that Biden gets reelected is justified because the main thing is that Biden gets reelected and we keep these... Uh, we keep these uh, risks to our democracy and of the White House. I got to say, you know, one of the things I always say about lawyers is you always have to listen for the other side's argument because lawyers are really good at making an argument out of nothing. And this is pretty good. It's pretty. I mean, it's completely unpersuasive, of course. But he had nothing to work with. Uh, imagine being on the Democrat side and you're a pundit. He had nothing to work with. But he still, he still built a little structure that makes sense in his own way. Yes, it does make sense that the only way to preserve democracy is releasing that oil. And it actually tracks. Like one does connect to the other point. It's, it's kind of... I was, I was impressed. <laughs> it, it's not a good point. But given what he had to work with, it was quite an effort. I don't know. I have to applaud that. Uh, the Blaze has, uh, they, they're setting new records here. They got uh, two, fake, uh, two fake newses and one tweet. All right. So here's what they say. They say, Bill Gates says a Russian invasion of Ukraine will be, quote, good for the long run because it will force countries to transition to green energy. Praises ESG investment. Both of those are fake news. Fake news. Here's why. Um, Bill Gates, let's do the first part. Bill Gates says the Russian invasion of Ukraine will be, quote, good for the long run. Take it out of context. I say exactly the same thing. Has anybody criticized me for saying it? How often do I say nobody wants a war? But it's nonetheless true that wars spur innovation. Does that sound like I love, my, my, I love me some war? Mmm, love war, because all the good points, the innovation that comes out of it. So does it look like I'm in favor of war? 
because the innovations are worth having? No. Um, so when Bill Gates says that um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine will be good for the long run, what he's specifically talking about is energy sources that don't bind us to other countries and they're good for the environment and everything else. Now remember, Bill Gates is heavily invested in nuclear energy. So when Bill Gates says it's good for the long run, he is including it's good for the nuclear energy business, which most of you would agree is a good thing. Now, do you think it's a bad thing that Germany is turning its nuclear power plants back on? Don't we all think that's a good thing? So here's the Blaze acting like he's some kind of fucking vampire who's, who's happy, about, uh, happy about the Ukraine war because it's good for his green investments. Nothing the fuck like that happened. This was Bill Gates saying exactly what I say all the time, which is nobody wants this bad thing to happen, but it is nonetheless, true, nonetheless the case that bad things cause you to innovate and sometimes the innovations are good. Where, where is the problem with that, really? Does anybody have a problem with the fact that wars spur innovation? It's, it's just a statement of fact. How about the second part? He praises ESG investments. Completely false. He's on record for saying that the reporting requirements of ESG are crazy because how it, we, don't, we don't have a second way to make steel. Steel is just going to be, you know... Energy intensive and bad for the environment, or you don't make steel. Nobody has another way to do it, right? So when when Bill Gates praises ESG investment, he's not saying the reporting part, which is really the ESG. He's saying the concept. The concept of ESG is fine. Who's against a healthier environment? The concept is fine. <laughs> and again, he's he's for nuclear energy. And nuclear energy would be great for the environment. So, so I, this is just two fake news from the, the blaze. Uh, I, I hate that I have to be in a position of, it looks like I'm defending Bill Gates, but I'm not, because he can defend himself. I'm, I'm simply saying that the news is fake. That's not defending him. Okay? Um, Do you know Seth Abramson? So he's a a notable Democrat activist, operative, pundit, I don't know. He's he's an active voice in the Democrat Party. And he says that the news media, at least the TV news media, has uh, gone uh, right-wing. Is that what you see? Do you see the media has gone (laughs) right-wing? And here's his argument. Isn't it amazing that you live in the same world with, with Seth Abramson and that his view of what is happening in the real world is just completely opposite of what I think most of you or all of you see? So his argument that the, the TV news is drifting right is that um, you know, Newsmax and what is it, One, One Network, or whatever it is, so there have been some new media that have come into being that lean right. So OAN, yes, OAN. So he's using Newsmax and OAN as being you know, more recent networks as evidence of the move to the right. And then he also lists CNN. He goes, CNN's moving to the right. 
Is CNN moving to the right? <laughs> like, apparently the middle is the right now. Has anybody seen CNN do anything that looked like a move to the right? I mean, it's, it's right from where they were, for sure. But I think that they were targeted directly at the middle, and they're pretty close to the middle, actually. Uh, if you've watched CNN lately, they're much closer to the middle, wouldn't you say? I don't know if they're, you know, you could, you could quibble about specifics, but I, I'd say they're closer to the middle. So, and, and I think they're a little bit more watchable, too. <laughs> so I think it's working. You know, I don't know if it's, it works for me. I don't know if it works for their numbers. But it's kind of amazing to live in a world and know that there's somebody who would say that perspective um, in public like we can all see it. Isn't that weird? When you say something like this in public, what you're saying is, well, you can all see this too. I'm just you know, describing it what you see. I'll say that. All right. Uh, the best Halloween costume I've seen, uh, just so I go by on Twitter, uh, I'll describe it so that you can do it too. So I think you can buy uh, Joe Biden masks. You can usually buy a, a mask of the president, right? So you get a Joe Biden mask, and then you get a little... Uh, fake skull or something, and you put the mask on whatever it is that's like a head. And then you, uh, you, you have your young daughter uh, stick it in the side of her uh, shirt so it looks like Joe Biden is sniffing her hair. <laughs> that's, that's the whole costume. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, all right. So, how many of you are watching on right-leaning media? Dr. Asim Malhotra, who is a uh, cardiologist and a consultant, consultant cardiologist, I think. And he believes he's looked at the data, the Pfizer data in particular, and thinks that there's enough uh, bad indications in the known data you know, the, in the known data, that uh, the vaccination should be pulled. Now, I watch this and I say to myself, wow, he's looking at information that is available to the public. My understanding is right. So he's looking at information we can all look at, so all cardiologists can look at the same stuff. Look, uh, Holling, I'm just going to fuck off. Just fuck off. I, I, you're already starting. Like, what is your point? Are you just trying to be an asshole? Let me, let me even remove user in timeout. Let me even finish the fucking point, okay? Um, I warned you I'm grumpy today, so don't get on me. <clears throat> so here's my question. It's a... Uh, a doctor with credentials who's pointing to public information and he's looking right at it and saying, look at this public information. Hey, everybody, look at this. This would tell you that you know, the medical advice you're getting is all wrong. Where are, the, where are the other people who say, yeah, I looked at exactly what he looked at. Yeah, he's right. Where are those people? Is it really true that 
we can't get more of these people? Is he the, like the, the, the one brave one? Because he's, he's pointing to something very specific. He's not saying, look at everything, right? He's looking at either a study or specific information. Can't we all look at that? Now, if I looked at it, it wouldn't help because I'm not an expert, not a doctor. But can't the other doctors look at exactly what he's looking at and at least tell you, yes, he's interpreting this correctly, or no, he's, inc- he's incorrectly interpreting it? They don't even need to have an opinion, do they? I feel as if... <clears throat> here, here's what is missing. So... As useful as it is to see uh, you know, rogue opinions or ones that disagree with the mainstream, it doesn't help me unless it is paired with a counter-argument. You tell me you can't get anybody from Pfizer to be on a show with that guy at all? There's nobody from Pfizer. There's no top doctor who's also looked at the same information and is on the other side. You can't get him on to say, no, that guy looked at the wrong thing or he interpreted it wrong. We are being so fucked over by the news, both left and right. So I'm going to include Fox News in the bad category here. So I watched Laura Ingram's show and she she had this doctor on. But if she doesn't ever have a doctor on who disagrees with this doctor, has she done a good service? Let me ask that. And I, I, I hate to make this personal because I, you know, I like Laura Engram. But, um, but is that a good service to us to put one doctor on when most of the medical community is on the other side? We think. We haven't heard from them, so maybe not. I don't know. I don't feel like that moved the ball forward. I think it, um, it was provocative and maybe... You know, there, there's value for the first red flag, right? You know, there, there's value to raise alarms when somebody qualified is raising alarm. But if it just ends there, what service has been done to the, the viewing public? Uh, I think Laura Ingram absolutely needs to get somebody on there to say that guy's wrong and why. Now, it'd be nice to have them on at the same time. But if you can't get somebody on there to give the counter-argument... Should you trust it? Should you trust anything he says until you've seen the counter-argument? There might not be one. It could be that the reason you don't see a counter-argument is nobody has one. That's entirely possible. But somebody needs to tell us that. Tell us. Tell us. Is there no argument? There's nobody on the other side? Because it's possible there isn't. Maybe. Anyway, you were so underserved by your news... Um, and I don't have an opinion of whether... Let, let me give you my uh, most updated... Uh, we don't call them vaccinations anymore, right? My updated shot opinion. What is more dangerous, the vaccination or the mRNA shot? Here's my current opinion. You ready? Don't know. Don't know. I can't tell. Let, let's see if... Now, if many of you think that you have a pretty strong opinion one way or the other. 
Do you think, let me ask it this way, do you think anybody should have a strong opinion given the information that's available? Should you have a strong opinion? Well, let me put it a different way. A strong opinion about whether it works. You could have a strong opinion about whether you should take it. That's different. I'm not saying whether you should take it. That, that decision can be easier. But do you have a strong opinion about whether you know, the claims are relatively accurate, that it protects you? Yeah, I don't know. You know, what's weird is I don't even see something developing in the world that would help us. Why Usually you see a, a solution starts to emerge, you know, whenever there's a, a problem. Somebody's usually working on the solution right away because you can make money from it. But I don't see anybody working on, our, on a solution to the question of why we, the public, can't even determine if the experts are lying to us or if they're on the same side or even if they will talk to each other and, you know, have a conversation. We don't get any of that. So here's my take. Until you see debates between pro-vax and anti-vax people on the same platform, until you see that, you can't know anything. And I don't recommend that you assume any of the, anything that any of them that they say is true. How's that opinion? Would you agree that until you see both the experts that are pro and con arguing together, side by side, until you see that, everything you know about the vaccination is fuck nothing. Right? It's fuck nothing. It's fuck nothing. Because we don't live in a world where listening to one side has any use at all. No use. There's no utility to what Laura Ingram's show gave you in terms of deciding. It's always good to raise flags. So I'll... You know, let me acknowledge that raising a flag, that's always a useful thing to do. But it doesn't give you an answer. We're, no, we're nowhere near an answer. And nobody's working on it. Let, let me say this again. It's the biggest question in the whole fucking country. Right? Nobody is working on the solution, which is putting the two experts together, or more, and having them talk at the same time to each other and show their, show their work. Now, am I wrong that that would be the answer? That, you know, we, we've got a government who's saying, huh, I wonder why we can't convince people to take the vaccination. I wonder why. Well, let me tell you why. Because the way you explain it to us is like a liar. Okay? If you explain it to us exactly the way a liar talks, we're not going to fucking believe you doesn't matter if you're right or you're wrong. I don't care what your science is. If the way you talk to me is exactly like liars talk, well, I'm not going to fucking believe you. So you need to fix that. Do you know how liars don't talk? They show you both of your arguments, and they give you plenty of time, and maybe they even you know, come back and say, well, you know, we were wrong about this, but we looked into it. Probably takes at least two or three iterations of the same two experts talking before you have anything. We are so far from anybody even attempting, attempting to solve the problem. And I want to say this as clearly as possible. I'm not complaining that the problem isn't fucking solved, the problem of having the two experts talk at the same time. I'm saying nobody's working on it. 
And we all know what the fucking answer is. Put the experts on at the same fucking time. Somebody. Put them on at the same fucking time. If you don't do that, you're not working for the American people. You're working for your fucking clicks and your paycheck, which is fine. Right? It's a free market. You can work for your clicks and your paycheck. But don't fucking pretend you're helping us because you're not. You're making it worse. Every fucking time you put one expert on without the other side, you're making it fucking worse. Fucking worse. Here's what we need. We need a platform where we can uh, make bets on whether uh, the vaccinated or the unvaccinated die the most over the next year or two. Now, I don't know if we could collect the, the data on that, but let's make it a, let's make it a betting market. Right? You, you want to be so sure that you're right? Put your money on it. Put your money on it. How many of you would bet $1,000 the vaccinations are more bad than good for people over 60. Go. Who, who would bet $1,000 that the vaccinated people over 60 are going to die at a higher rate than the unvaccinated once you've corrected for all the other variables? Anybody? Well, there's nobody. Who, okay, few people. Few people. Okay. Well, actually, I, I'm totally surprised at the answers. <laughs> so most of you actually believe that the vaccinations protect people over 60. Let me uh, Hold on a second. Stop your answers for a moment. Let's clear out the cash. Clear out your Because I want to get a sense of what you believe, my audience. All right, my audience, do you believe that uh, vaccinations are more good than bad if you're over 60? Go. Over 60... Vaccinations, good or bad? All right, I'm looking at the answers streaming by. Mostly saying good, but I'm getting some people saying bad. Yeah, it's mixed. It's mixed. How, but how confident are you? So when I asked you if you... This is interesting. When I asked if people would bet $1,000, almost very few people said they would. But when I said are they helping or hurting, then suddenly people were willing to give their opinion. Am I wrong that there are a lot of people who have opinions that they would not back with their own money? That's what it looked like. Do a lot of you have opinions you would not bet on? Uh, Let me ask you directly. Well, I I think, you know, I'm not going to get anything useful out of the streaming answers. Interesting. All right. Well, I was just interested in which way you'd go. But why don't we have a betting? We should have a betting market for that. All right, let me give you a uh, persuasion analysis of Kerry Lake, which you all want, don't you? Don't you want me to analyze Kerry Lake? You know you do. You know you do. All right, here it comes. Uh, number one, I note that the people on the right often refer to her as a uh, network news veteran, right? So she's like a network news person. But she was a weather person, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Didn't she work on weather? Uh, can you fact check that? I don't think she did regular news, she did weather.
Is that true or not? Because I thought she was an anchor, but then I thought her referred to as a, a meteorologist or something. But we actually don't know, do you? Interesting. So most of you believe she was an anchor. Yeah, it does make a difference. It does make a difference. Yeah. Because you wouldn't expect the same, um, the level of, let's say, gravity, gravitas. You wouldn't expect the same level of seriousness from the weather person or the sports person as you would from the news anchor. Well, can somebody uh, Google that? Wikipedia says anchor. Interesting. So was that fake news? Because I did see on I did see somewhere that she was referred to as the, the weather person. Did she start with weather and then move to anchor? And she was an anchor until 2021. All right, so we're getting the uh, long-time anchor. Started as weather and moved to Arizona as an anchor. Okay, I think that's the answer. Started as weather and moved to anchor. All right, <clears throat> so... Um, that would explain, you know, why she has such a good television presence, right? Now, here are the things we can agree on. Very few people are better on camera. Can we agree on that? Uh, you'd, be, you'd have to look a long ways to find somebody better on camera. Now, I'm going to talk about things that are, like, sexist, but it's all part of the persuasion conversation, right? Number one... Do you think she looks attractive? I'll ask my audience before I give you my opinion. Yes, yeah, it's universally yes. Do you feel that she's attractive in a feminine way or something else? It, does, she, does she strike you as feminine? A little bit of opinions there. It's interesting. She is a, um, for sure very attractive, but she she cuts masculine and, and feminine, doesn't she? She she kind of hits a mix. I don't want to say androgynous because that's that's like a different sense. I would I would say that sort of like Mick Jagger, <laughs> you know, or David Bowie. Where, where there, there's, there's sort of an ambiguity that you register, but, you're, but it's an attractive ambiguity. Meaning that I think probably both men and women find her attractive, I would imagine. Yeah, and it makes her look stronger because she's got a little bit of the, the masculine edge with the feminine pluses as well. Yeah. And she's married to a man, of course. Right. So... Um, I, so here's my first persuasion point. She has a type of attractiveness that is ideal. It's ideal for politics. Would you agree? It's not just attractive. Because Christy Nome has an attractiveness that is super attractive as a woman. Super feminine. Well, not super feminine, but feminine, right? But I think that that would turn off some voters. I think the Christy Gnome type of attractiveness would cause some people, and maybe even women more than men, to, uh, to grade her more harshly because she looks a little less 
to some people, might look less substantial because you look more feminine, I guess. Now, I'm talking about people's biases here. I'm not talking about my opinion. I'm talking about people's biases. But Carrie Lake doesn't have that problem, does she? She registers as attractive as a woman without giving up anything in strength to the, the over-femininity, you know, maybe bias, right? So I would say I've never seen anybody who has a better look for politics. And, and what, is, what is her ethnicity? I've never seen that mentioned. Her ethnicity is... Her ethnicity is hot, somebody said. <laughs> but she's brownish, right? <clears throat> Again, we're, we're just talking about the persuasion here, so don't, don't assume I'm being bigoted or anything else. We're just talking about what people perceive. So it's just an Arizona tan. She's just well tanned. So that works really well for her, doesn't it? I don't know what she is, but she's ambiguous, and she's pretty brown <laughs> for, for maybe a white girl. I don't know, whatever she is. So I don't care, but I think that works too. So I think she works on color, look, haircut, femininity, just the right amount of you know, not too feminine, a little bit of masculinity put in there. Yeah, she's, she, she's got the perfect look. But let's talk about her voice. Have you ever heard a voice like hers? It's really unique. Yeah, it's fun to listen to. But let me tell you the trick that she uses that I've talked about before, but when you see it in practice, it's awesome. She's a down talker. Do you know what an up talker is, right? So up talkers sound unconfident. An up talker would sound like this. I think we need to lower taxes. We need to close the border. And then the other thing that bad politicians do is they, um, they bleat like sheep. When, they're, when they don't believe their own argument, they adopt a pleading kind of a tone that signals they don't believe their own argument. Right? So I was watching her on, uh, on Tucker's show. There was some video of her. And watching her talk, there's a time when she down-talks perfectly. And, and let me give you an example of down-talk. Down-talk is the opposite of ending on a high point. If you end on a down point, you sound like an executive, right? Because you're saying everything is matter-of-fact. So here's, uh, I'll try to do an impression of a proper, confident, executive down-talk. Right? So first I'll give you the, the contrast. An up-talk would be, and we need, we need uh, nuclear energy plants. We, we've got to have nuclear energy plants or we'll never be able to reach our, our goals. We'll never have enough energy. Left. We, we, we have to have nuclear energy plants. Now, that's a pleading voice. doesn't sound powerful. Now, here's the executive. And the only way we're going to be able to give power in the future is through nuclear power. Nuclear power will allow us to... Uh, have enough energy in the future, and at the moment there's no alternative. Now, forget about whether that's true, but you see, you see what I'm talking about, right? The way I said it tells you it's not up for debate. It's not up for debate. I'm telling you what the facts are, and then you have to decide what to do with that. When, and I was watching Carrie Lake when she was uh, talking about the media, an area which she has you know, complete expertise, 
And when she talked about the media, she used down talk. And wow, is it so effective. But for a moment, she transitioned into what I'll call the, uh, the talking points, the, the, the generic stuff about, you know, Democrats are trying to ruin everything, blah, blah, blah. And she, and she slipped into pleading. And you could tell the transition between the things she was completely confident about and had a right to be confident, and the things that were clearly propaganda politics kind of stuff that is really salesmanship, right? And you could see her shift from, this is just fact. You know, get, get out of my way. This is just a fact. That part is so strong. But as soon as she gets into the politics, she gets a little pleady, and then she loses some of that strength. I, I think she could change her talking points to maintain the strength all the way through, and then it would just be devastating. Yeah, yeah the uptalk makes you sound insecure. That's, that's true. Correct. So I usually don't make a big deal about the quality of voice for persuasion. The exception is when the quality of the voice is amazing. And I think Obama had that. Obama had the voice. You know, he stammered too much, but he had the voice. It just sounded, you just liked the timber of it, right? So if you have an extremely good voice, as she does, then it's an asset. But for most people, it doesn't make much difference. Yeah. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my grumpy opinion for today. I've got to go fix my coffee maker. Might set me on a better trajectory for today. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, my doctor asked me to test my blood pressure at home. So it's just a normal thing. If, if you're on blood pressure meds, the new remote medical practices are that they ask you to get a blood pressure monitor and just do it yourself. So I was uh, testing it, and I noticed in the instructions on the email that asked me to test my blood pressure, it said, don't do it within 30 minutes of having coffee. And I didn't read that part, or I'd forgotten it. And so I randomly sat down after I came back from Starbucks, and I tested my blood pressure. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Test your blood pressure after you, directly after you come back from Starbucks. It was hospitalization level. <laughs> it was like it was like nine one one. So I wait, uh, you know, I wait three hours and I test it again. Uh, one twenty over eighty, no problem. But, but half an hour after I had Starbucks, it was actually, literally, it, literally, I would probably drive to the hospital. Uh, it was like 160 over uh, 120 or some fucking thing. Yeah, it was like 160 over something. <laughs> uh, can you lower your BP with med- meditation? Uh, I doubt it. I mean, I don't know that you can get it all the way down. Now, I am also wondering if my uh, 
pain and energy is related to the blood pressure meds. It's possible. Yeah, I can, you can survive 160. You just don't want to do it for a long time. Um, that's a little bit of hyperbole from me. Uh, hypnosis. Yeah, I mean, all the lifestyle stuff does work. But if you have a genetic um, you know, propensity, uh, I'm, I'm about as close as you can get to lifestyle acceptable behavior, you know? I do pretty well. I don't sleep as much as I should. Um, Do you think Biden's doing well? Uh, I can't see that. In his China stuff? Well, I don't know what's going on with China. I feel like all of our news is so inaccurate. Uh, no, I'm not taking any NSAIDs. You once snorted a caterpillar? Okay. Why am I avoiding Daryl Brooks as a topic? Apparently I'm avoiding Daryl Brooks as a topic. Because I never heard that name before. Let's see. Let's see who exactly I am ignoring. Daryl Brooks. He's a defendant. He cries during his opening statement. What did he do? Oh, is he the guy who ran over the Waukesha Christmas parade trial? Why would I want to talk about him? Why in the world would that be interesting? Yeah. No, I, I really I know I remember what the story was. That, you know, they reported his car killed people, etc. But uh, there's no reason to. Uh... Oh, by the way, speaking of yay, <laughs> uh, I, I told you I, I I can't watch anything on the Daily Wire because every time I try to sign up, it's too hard. <laughs> and and uh, I got some help from. Uh, from one of you, I won't, won't mention who, who sent you know lengthy instructions of how to do it, and I was like, oh, thank you, and then like I got busy, and then I lost those instructions. So, if I can't sign up quickly, it's just not going to happen because I get too interrupted. So if I can if I can sign up for a service in sixty seconds, which is how long it should take, because all you're doing is putting in your credentials, um, then I'll sign up. But as soon as it like takes me to another site or wants me to do something, uh, anything out of the ordinary, I'm like, ah, I'll get back to that later. It never happens. No, I don't believe I am on the spectrum. Don't believe I am. Have you tried a sauna to relieve pain? Uh, no. But I don't like heat, so I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah, uh, the SUV guy representing himself would be fun. I do have an infrared sauna. I've never used it. I hear good things about him, but I just I don't like heat. So, um, did you see that uh, Ye used the R word 
on a video, and he stopped himself before he used it, but then he used it anyway, because you know, he's just done censoring himself. So he called somebody a, a tard. And I thought to myself, well, he's gone so far that he can say that now, right? Because, you know, I, I think at this point... Um, I think at this point, Kanye can say anything. I just saw a comment go by that made me laugh. <clears throat> when, when you say that you have uh, generalized pain, it turns out that the possible causes of it are everything you do. So I've had people suggest that it's everything from you know my diet to you name it. So, so I have a list of probably 20 different things that are entirely possible. Like I'm not, I wouldn't rule out diet at all. But there are at least 20 things then I'm going to have to isolate one at a time to see if they make a difference. <laughs> so <clears throat> I don't think it's aging because it happened all at once. A- aging would have been more, more gradual. I mean, I-, I could certainly see what aging does, but I just fell off a, fell off a table. <laughs> yeah, it could be the BP meds. Some, somebody mentioned that they had the same problem and they got off their meds and it... They felt fine. I suppose I, I could probably just stop taking it for a day and see if it matters. Blue balls. <laughs> is that it? Do I need to get laid? Maybe that's all it is. Huh? I don't know. I think I'm going to give up on humans. Um... Oh, yeah, the Steve Bannon sentencing is happening right now. Now, he's, he could get up to two years for refusing to testify. Was that what it was? Yeah, it's definitely not shingles. All right, contempt of Congress. You think contempt of Congress would be more like an award? You know, shouldn't you get a like a medal? And now I'd like to give the prestigious uh, Citizen of the Year award to Steve Bannon for contempt of Congress. We would all like to be like Steve and show our contempt for Congress, but only Steve was brave enough to do it. So, Steve, for contempt of Congress, we give you the Citizen of the Year award. But apparently they actually punish you for having the same opinion as everybody and acting the same way ordinary people would act. I know. You know, the trouble is you don't want a Nelson Mandela, Steve Bannon. He'll come back as the president. <laughs> you put Steve Bannon in jail for two years and he's going to come back as Christ. <laughs> Like, even I might vote for him. <laughs> That's saying a lot. <laughs> I, might, I might even register to vote. <laughs> it's not because I agree with him or anything. It's just that if you're putting Steve Bannon in jail because of your kangaroo court, he might come out as Jesus. That's all I'm saying. He might get elected president the day he gets out. Anyway, that's all for now. I'll talk to you later. Bye, YouTube.